I said some time ago that I would speak a bit further about the scandals that have faced our Catholic Church over this summer of 2018. A good number of people are referring to this summer as uh, the summer of shame for Catholics. If you followed the headlines, you will have seen the scandal which erupted around the former Cardinal Archbishop of Washington, Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, and then the Attorney General's release in Pennsylvania of shameful tales of sinful behaviors of priests and also the cover-up and the lies that were perpetrated by the members of the hierarchy. In all of this, I was reminded of a famous quotation by the English writer Hilaire Belloc, famous writer and friend of G.K. Chesterton, and he wrote these words. The Catholic Church, as an institution, I am bound to hold divine. But for unbelievers, proof of its divinity might be found in the fact that no merely human institution conducted with such knavish imbecility would have lasted for two weeks. And if you're not sure what knavish imbecility is, a knave is a crook, a criminal, a schemer, a wicked, selfish person, and an imbecile is a person who's a fool and is ignorant. Therefore, Hilaire Belloc says that no merely human institution conducted with such knavish imbecility would have lasted for two weeks. And we've certainly seen knavish imbecility, and even this weekend, the scandals have deepened as a high-ranking Vatican official said that even Pope Francis knew about the misbehavior of Cardinal McCarrick, overlooked it, and then promoted him. As these allegations continue to filter out through the news, I should warn you also that as Catholics, we are likely to see even more as the Attorney General of New York and other states also launch similar investigations about the misbehavior of Catholic priests and bishops over the last decades. Some of your friends and family might be saying to you, well, why do you stay with the church like that? And today's gospel is very appropriate because when Jesus said some things that were hard to take, he said to his disciples, are you going to go too? And they said, who can we go to, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. And so I would like to remind you about how we meet Jesus Christ as Catholics. And we meet him in two ways, in his body, the church, and his body in the sacrament. And in his body, the church, we believe that the church is inspired by the Holy Spirit, founded by the Holy Spirit. It continues, the Holy Spirit continues to breathe life into the Holy Church. And the Holy Spirit guides and protects and leads the church. And yet this church, which is divine, is soiled and spoiled and blotted by human sin and human failure, corruption, and immorality. And we know that that's the case. Down, if we follow down through history, we understand that that is what's happened. One of the reasons I started a podcast called Triumphs and Tragedies 
to do a 20-part podcast on the history of the Catholic Church is for us to understand that this is part of our history and heritage. I encourage you to listen to it if you like to listen to podcasts in your commute or when you're getting some exercise. You can find it on my blog and various other places. We have to remember and ask ourselves, therefore, why does God allow this to happen to His church? And there are two things to remember. The first thing to remember is that Satan hates the Catholic Church. He hates it because it is the body of Christ. And he will try to tempt people in order to lure them into corruption and infidelity and immorality. And also he will then persecute from the outside. Corruption from within and persecution from without. Because he bitterly hates the Catholic Church because he knows it is founded by the Holy Spirit and it is the body of Christ alive in the world today. And he hates it with a bitter hatred. And Satan never sleeps. And if we're aware of that, we will understand once again that this is a spiritual battle that we are engaged in. That's why last year I began to institute saying the prayer of St. Michael after our Masses. So that we're reminded at every Mass that as we go out into the world, this is a spiritual battle. And that Satan hates the church and he hates you. And he hates your children. And he hates your family. And he will do everything he can to destroy you on this life and if possible to lure you into sin that will lead you into hell forever. This is the reality of our faith and it's the reality that we see when we see the sin and corruption in the church. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, oh, the devil made them do it. No, we are held responsible for our own decisions and our own actions. You can't blame the devil. He might tempt you, but you make the decision. And so it is with these corrupt bishops and priests and cardinals. They're tempted, but they make a decision. And unto whom much is given, much is required. And therefore, those of us who are ordained will answer to even more of an obligation. And our Lord said clearly that those who cause a little one to stumble, it's better for them to have never, never to have been born he said about Judas, and he said about those who cause the little ones to stumble, it's better that they should have a millstone, a boulder, hung around their neck and thrown into the sea. And there will be a price to pay. And if people don't think that price is real, they will when they have to give the reckoning. But if Satan is tempting the church and Satan hates the church, it's also true that Christ will purge his church and cleanse his church. When you read church history, time and again this has happened. The church and has fallen into corruption and immorality, and the Holy Spirit comes through like a burning fire and purges and purifies the church. And if that has to happen, and if it's painful, and we have to pay millions of dollars to the people that these bad priests have offended, and dioceses go bankrupt, so be it. The church will be purged, and the church will be purified. Some time ago on a school trip down to St. Augustine, we visited the hospital museum, which is there, uh, where they've recreated a colonial hospital with all the tools and all the styles of medicine that they would have had back then. 
And they told us that very often a wound would become infected uh, and gangrene would set in. And the medical solution when gangrene began to set in and the limb began to go rotten is that they would take a, a poker, a hot an iron, piece of iron and put it in the fire till it got red hot. And then they would place it on the wound to try to burn out the corruption. And when that didn't work, the only other option was amputation without anesthetics. And so that's what God's purgation of the church is very often like. And I would therefore say that this is happening in the church and we should be prepared for it. And also, we should be re- respond in the proper way, which is, therefore, I too am going to pray harder, work harder, and love God harder. I'm going to say with Joshua in the first reading tonight, as for me and my house, uh, we will serve the Lord. No matter what. So we find the Lord in the body, His body, the church, but we also find the Lord in His body on the altar, in the Eucharist. And to emphasize this point that we've been hearing over the last five, four or five weeks at Mass from the Gospel of John, I would like to share with you a personal story and speak from my heart. You will probably know, most of you, that I was brought up in an evangelical Protestant home. After high school, I came here to Greenville and went to Bob Jones University, which is not known as a Catholic school. And while I was there, I became an Anglican at that little Anglican church. As you go out of town, out towards Cherrydale on the left-hand side, pretty little stone church with a red door. That's where I was baptized and became an Anglican and heard the call to become a priest. Went to England and finally became the vicar, the priest of two beautiful old Anglican churches, thousand-year-old churches, in a beautiful little English village with a big rectory house. But during that time, my faith had become more Catholic. I began to believe and understand the Catholic teaching about the Eucharist, about the priesthood, about the church. I got to the point where I said, I'm a Catholic, but just not a Roman Catholic. I'm a Catholic, but in the Anglican church. Finally, the Lord brought me to the point where one day I was celebrating communion in this Anglican church, and I'd come to believe the Catholic teaching about the Eucharist. And I realized that what I was doing at that altar was not actually a Catholic Mass, and I was not a Catholic priest. In other words, I was standing at the altar not believing in what I was doing. I was by that time in my late 30s, and I realized I could not keep doing that for another 30 or 40 years. And so, at that point, I and my wife, and at that point two children, walked away from it left the whole thing to become Catholics. We left the beautiful house, the ministry, everything that I had planned and and worked towards and moved into a little duplex and was unemployed and waited for 10 years before the call came to return to Greenville, of all places, to be a Catholic priest. And I share that story with you to say that there are people who give up everything for this church and this sacrament. And I'm not the only one. Deacon Richard also was a Lutheran pastor for 25 years, had a beautiful home, beautiful ministry, 
pension plan, a salary. His wife, Ruth, who most of you don't see because she has chronic ill health, also was ordained as a Lutheran pastor. Together they ministered and they loved their work, they loved their church, they loved their people, they loved their ministry. And he too walked away from it for this church and this sacrament. And I share these stories with you because we're not, we're not alone. There are many others also who have their own stories to tell about how they gave up everything for this church and for this sacrament. I ask you, therefore, to reconsider and to consider your own calling and to consider your own faith and ask yourselves, when times are difficult, how much will I give up for this faith, for this church, for this sacrament? Amen.